from the NFL. If you're Dak Prescott, individual numbers aren't enough anymore. You want to get paid? Win something. To the NBA. Who gives a about the Pelicans if Zion don't play? Across the landscape of college football. There's no such thing as a good loss in the ACC. So if you're Clemson, you better win every game. And so much more. Let's talk some sports, baby. The stories you want. Baseball is back. Basketball is almost back. And football is on the way. You love to see it. The opinions you need. Sports is what this country needs. And I truly, truly believe that. Holla at your boy. It's Jay Wise. It's the drink. It's the beard. And it's the wisdom. I hope you brought pen and paper because class is in session. And Nathan Drinkard. Remember, make tomorrow better than today and make today better than yesterday. And you know what we're going to do. We're going to holler at you until next time, baby. This is A Drink of Wisdom. Welcome to A Drink of Wisdom with Nathan Drinkard. I'm Jay Wash. Thanks for spending some of your time with us. We are on the Anchor app. We are on Apple Podcasts. We're on Spotify. We are also up on YouTube with the video format of the show. Check us out at all those locations. We appreciate all of y'all's support. What's up, Drink? How are you doing, man? Uh, you know, same old, you know, grind. Saturday morning, we up giving the people what they need. Um, you know, we say what they don't. We see what they want. Or maybe I should say that backwards. Either way, <laughs> it don't matter. Let's roll into it. Let's talk some sports, baby. Let's roll. Let's do it. Episode 46, the Bucks beat the Hawks. NFL win projections are out, and we discussed the comments Trevor Lawrence made that have the pundits questioning his commitment to football. We begin with another MVP performance from Joel Embiid as the Philadelphia 76ers defeated the Los Angeles Clippers 106-103 last night. Embiid dropped 36 points, 14 rebounds. It was the third straight time he scored at least 35. Berkhan Korkmaz added 18 as Philly won its fourth straight, and they maintain a one-game lead for first place in the East. Paul George had 37 for the Clippers, and Patrick Patterson chipped in 18 points in just 14 minutes. The loss snapped a seven-game win streak for the Clippers, who remain in third place in the West. Drink the Clippers were missing Kawhi Leonard. Was that the difference, or is Philly the better team no matter what? All right. So I guess, I guess you can that, that, the answer to that question could be both. Um, I do think the Clippers was missing Kawhi. And I do think Kawhi would have made a difference last night, especially in that last possession. Not to say Paul George was a bad option, because he's not. Um, when he's on, he's on. When he's not, he's not. But I thought, I mean, you watched the game yesterday, Paul George was on. So I'm, I'm not mad that he's the guy to take the shot. Um, I just feel like with Rondo playing the way he played at the end of the game, you would have had Kawhi and Paul George. It would have been a lot easier for Kawhi to get to a shot that he could have made at you know a lot better with Rondo setting them up or, or or with you know with Paul George taking some of that defensive pressure off of him I just felt like that was a game the Clippers could have very well won they had one more guy to open it up for him at the end however I'm not I, I'm not opposed to the 76ers winning this game, even if Kawhi would have played, because this this 76ers team, I'm just telling you, they about as real as it get on it when it comes to locking in and, and um, locking down superstar players. No team has done it better than the 76ers this year. I know the Knicks been playing well on the defense side of the ball, Jazz, 
etc., etc. But when it the clip, I mean, the 76 has been a whole package this year. When it comes to all around game, they've been a whole package. You seen it last night. And here's the deal: the Clippers don't got anybody to stop Joel and B. Hell, most teams ain't got nobody to stop Joel and B. So don't feel bad about it. But at the end of the day, if you got both of these teams at full strength, this game could very well come out the same exact way. Because look, if Joel, if you run the offense through Joel and B at the end of the game like they kind of did. We talked about this on Wednesday. The dude can make his free throws. He can make a three-point shot. He can make a, a mid-range shot. He can dunk on you. Oh, by the way, he can play defense and get his team the ball back. It's like, uh, pick your poison. How do you want it? Because this ain't the Shaq attack days where you can just sit here and hack people and he going to go clink, 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 clink. That, that's dead. Like, this dude can hit his free throws. So, it's just, to me, if, if I'm being honest, Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons both, right? The, for the last three years, we've been talking about blow this thing up. Somebody need to go. Brent Brown out of here. What are you doing with this guy? Hey, where did um, Al Horford go? You know, I said, like, we just got all this going on, right? Without a doubt this year, I think I can say this with tremendous confidence that Embiid and Simmons have took their game up to the next level. They, they really have. And the fact that both of them have, and I got it, I got it, Simmons don't shoot threes and all that, I got it. But they don't need him to do that. I'm, I'm not saying this is the perfect excuse, but they don't need Ben Simmons. On this team, they don't need Ben Simmons to do that. Now, if he had got traded somewhere else, that'd probably be a different story. We're going to need you to shoot some threes. But on this team, you just, you don't need it. You have more than enough shooting. You need Ben Simmons to do what Ben Simmons is. He's focused on defense player of the year. I ain't going to steal your shine. You you had a fantastic question last night about some of the matchup they was doing with him, you know, possible defense player of the year. He should have been – it should have been some other players he was on, but I'm going to you, let you speak on that. Um, but then now now his partner in crime, Joel Embiid, talking about he should be the defense player of the year. So I like to see that. I, I, I mean, is it ludicrous? Probably. But I like to see the competitiveness uh, as far as both of them want to be defense player of the year. They both going to be in the all-defensive team category one way or another. Um, but I, I just like to see that. Uh, it kind of reminds me of, like, the talks the Lakers was having last year when, you know, AD was running rough shot. And then, you know, LeBron started playing defense. And it's like, oh, these guys play defense. I find it very similar to that. Um, but with everything said, with all the chips on the table, I, I, I do think Philly was going to win this game. And, and the reason being is, Philadelphia has a little more at this point to prove than the Clippers had to prove at this point. Yes, the Clippers did get an early exit from the playoffs last year. Got it. At the same time, Philadelphia got an early exit. And their early exit looked a, lot, a little bit worse than what the Clippers got, right? On, on the same token, this is only the second year of the Kawhi Leonard-Paul George connection. Embiid and Simmons have been doing this for like the last four years. So... The pressure is on the 76ers, or at least on those two individuals the most, to try to get this done. So I just feel like the 76ers don't, they don't really come in there and not take a, a, a game serious. You know, we used to the 76ers coming there taking off road games. We only going to play when we at home in front of the fans, whatever. This year, it just seems like they're coming out, they're playing some good ball. So I just, I find it. Whoever played the 76ers, no matter if it's a Wednesday or a Sunday or whatever day it is, 
national televised league pass, however you you're going to get the best shot from the 76ers of the players that's playing that night because they have something to prove. They want to show that they're a legitimate contender and they have to go out and win these games. Whereas so the Clippers, on the other hand, you see it, Kawhi was out, sometimes Paul George out, sometimes Tyron Lue out. You just never know who's going to show up to the game for the Clippers. But they have less to prove because we know what Kawhi can bring to the table. We know what Paul George could bring to the table. We know what Tyron Lue has brought to the table. All these guys, we know what they got. Ibaka, you know. So, I just feel like, to, to answer your question and close it out, Philly was probably going to win this game. But I just, I feel like Kawhi would have gave the Clippers a better option at the end of the game. At least more options at the end of the game. Especially with how Rondo was controlling the pace a little bit with what he was doing. So, all in all, 76ers, man, they out on a mission. But I like where the Clippers at, and I'll tell you, being a Lakers supporter, man, we better watch out for the Clippers this year. I kind of like where their head is at a lot more this year than where it was last year. Um, but the 76 is probably going to win this game because they got a lot more to prove at this point. I think um, this is a – that see, they split their season series. Uh, the Clippers won was it, a couple months ago. Uh, but in that game, the Clippers were more at full strength. They had Kawhi Leonard and they had Paul George both on the floor. And the 76ers did not have Joel Embiid. The Clippers won that game by 10. So, you know, it can be a dangerous thing to draw, you know, a big conclusion when in each game uh, both teams were missing one of their, you know, big, big superstars, MVP caliber guys. But I do think I do think Philly is the better team. Um, the way they defend, uh, we've talked about that. Um, yeah, you write about the New York Knicks and some other teams that deserve credit. But um, you know, when you combine what they do defensively with how potent they can be on the offensive side, all the shooters that they've added to this team, you know, I think I think I give Philadelphia a, an edge over this team because the the Clippers more so than than some other teams. Uh, they after after Zubats, they don't have anybody that has has a chance at all against Joel Embiid. And you you completely right when you say, you know, there's a lot of teams that can be in that same boat too. But this is something this is something we've talked about the Clippers. You know, going back to last year, the one thing where we felt like they had a little bit of a weakness was on the inside. This is why last season I always made the point: um, Anthony Davis has to dominate inside for the Lakers. That can be the big advantage for them. Same, a little bit, um, kind of the same thing for the uh, the 76ers with Embiid. Another, another dominant performance, third straight game. He's, you know, been over 35, third straight game. He's, you know, living at the free throw line, double-digit free throw makes and attempts. He, he, he's simply too too good at this point. He, and he, yes, it, he is allowing Ben Simmons to just be in a role to where, you know, Although some people are still going to care because when you go out there and you call yourself a point guard, you know, I'd like to see you shoot something. I don't, I, I don't much care about him shooting threes. I'd like to see him shoot from somewhere. And he's not even, he, he doesn't even shoot all that well at the free throw line, but that that's okay. It's not, it's not really hurting Philadelphia and it may not. That's how great Joel Embiid is. And I have to, I have to get this point out the way. I should have, I should have said. Or right should we, or, or should we say that's how great this team is constructed this year? That's that that too because we know last year, last year they suffered a whole lot more because 
Elton Brand made them so big that, you know, the Al Horford thing just didn't work. They got, I mean, it just, especially in a modern type, in a modern NBA where three-point shooting is so important, it just didn't make that much sense at all. You had Horford at the three-point line the whole game. And then a lot of times Embiid was shooting too many threes as well to help to allow Simmons, you know, some opportunities to, you know, roll roll around in the paint there. But not only this, because we can't, we, we are not going to get a, a regular season game that we talk about where everyone's healthy. So not only Kawhi Leonard was not out, no Serge Ibaka, no Patrick Beverly, but Philadelphia also missing a lot of key pieces. No Tobias Harris, no Seth Curry, no Dwight Howard. So as usual, might as well, we, we, I got to just start adding that in every lead in because we will <laughs> never ever get a national televised game where everybody is in there that matters. It's weird because right. I just put, I just said Patrick Beverly's name like he matters. But anyways, uh, he hey, he matters when it comes to the energy of the team. That's about it. Like uh, you go give yeah. energy, man. But I think I do. I do think Philadelphia is a little better, even even with Kawhi Leonard being in here. Because I just I just found a hard time. I just found a hard time that even Kawhi Leonard. I don't think I don't. We know how great a defender he is. I, I think it, we and we've seen Kawhi do you know good things against Giannis. I I just think I just think. Asking even him to guard Embiid is going to be, it's going to be too much to ask. That's how that's how good Embiid is. Uh, you know the other guys in this game. I thought Court Miles was really good. I thought he was really good on defensive end. I think he's improved tremendously out there. Got quick hands, coming up with a bunch of steals. Um, and Matisse, he filled in well for Tobias Harris last night. He did. He, he started did. for him last night. And yeah, that that uh, Thibault, You keep bringing him up. I think in a series against Brooklyn, he could be. He could be really important. You put him, you put him out there with Simmons, um, and Danny Tilly. Green. Yeah, and and yeah, I got a uh, Paul George. First of all, Paul George has been really good recently. I think he's got four straight with thirty points. Um, I could be wrong, but I think I just went through and tied him up. But he didn't. He didn't do much in the fourth quarter last night. He didn't take the last shot last night. I don't know. You know, I like Marcus Morris, but I. I don't know. I don't want Marcus Morris taking the last shot there. I, I don't, Paul but George, I, I think if I remember that play correctly, I, I want to say set the 76ers kind of took Paul George out. Now, I agree with might you. Have, I definitely don't have. want, but if I remember, he was like stuck, like it was somewhere on like corner, on the, wasn't? yeah, like the left side of the court, he was yeah. in the corner. And I want to say it was like Ben Simmons and maybe somebody else. They kind of had him stuck. So that's why they forced somebody else to shoot. I just yeah. wish Morris would have got a better shot. That thing was a brick. Yeah. I mean, even even regardless, I didn't think uh, I didn't think Paul George played a particularly good fourth in, quarter. Well, in the fourth quarter, yeah. yeah, he didn't. He did not play well in the fourth quarter. Had had a couple turnovers that were really costly. Overall, I think the Clippers should be really pleased with how they played. Uh, they competed. They were down. You know, they were the 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 best player that was not on the floor last night was one of their guys, Kawhi. So they were. You know, I didn't give them much of a chance at all last night. And it, especially when you come out and you go down 20 to three immediately. I mean, they did a great job chipping away at that. But, you know, when you come out that flat and you let a team jump all over you like that, it's, it's, it's tough to come back from. They did a great job coming back. They made a bunch of threes as they are prone to do. Um, but but in the end, I'm, I'm a little more worried about this Clippers team because I'm just as good as Paul George is playing. When it comes to you know money time in the fourth quarter, I, I'm not a believer. I've I've seen enough. 
So um, he's, he's going to have to prove me long, wrong, hopefully. But, uh, you know, I do believe in Kawhi Leonard. So I think, you know, Kawhi is going to be, you know, he's going to carry them as far as he can. Paul George will be there helping out. But in the fourth quarter, I think that's Kawhi time. No question. I think it's a, I think it's a mixture, right? I think it's Kawhi and you want Rondo to have the ball in his hands in clutch time. You don't want him necessarily taking a shot, but you want him to have the ball in his hands. And I think he, with his experience, with his knowledge, he know how to get Kawhi to a better shot. He know how to get Paul George to a better shot. Whatever the case might be, I was really impressed with Rondo last night. But what I, one thing I wanted to say before we end this segment. Last night made me realize how good the last minute of every most NBA games are. I'm just going to start waiting for the game to get close, for me to get that notification, and then just start watching the last minute. Because the last minute is like the whole game to me in a nutshell. Like, it's the best time of the game. No matter how bad one team was playing and the other team wasn't. That last minute when it's like a two-point game is crazy. I just wanted to say that. But, hey, we'll see. I, I, 76 is just on another level for you, boy. That's all I'm saying. Oh, I did have to say this since we're all over the place now. Uh, ben Simmons, Defensive Player of the Year. Uh, I got a question, though. I don't know why we're coming out starting the game, and you know I didn't follow this trend throughout the whole game. But he's out there, you know. Who who was he? Who was he even chase? Oh, was he out there guarding Reggie Jackson at the beginning of the game? Reggie Jackson been hot lately. I guess he comes out <laughs> like coach. I'm the point guard. I have to guard the opposing point guard. You're also six no. ten. Go on out there and guard guard Paul George, uh, DPOY. Right. Danny, yeah, you got Danny, you got Danny Green, you know, who's he's a little. Danny Green's a veteran guy. He's he's getting up there, you know. But he he's probably can handle Reggie Jackson. He can handle yeah, Reggie Jackson. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, you're right. At first, I was like, oh wait a minute, maybe he's guarding Kawhi. Now my Kawhi's not there, so I, I'm just saying, you want to you want to come out here and you know chirping about defensive player of the year? Why don't you why don't you guard a legit, uh, you know, a guy who's been in the MVP discussion before? Just saying. We now move to Thursday night where the Milwaukee Bucks defeated the Atlanta Hawks 120-109. The Bucks welcome back their reigning two-time MVP Giannis Antetokounmpo after he had missed six games with a left knee injury. Giannis scored just 15 points in 25 minutes, but he got plenty of help from Chris Mid... Oh, wait. I do apologize. That was not Chris Middleton. It was Drew Holiday dropping 23 points and Brooke Lopez heading a double-double of 19 points and 12 rebounds. The Hawks have won 7 of 8 before this defeat, and Trey Young struggled from the floor going just 3 for 17. And he did not score in the first half. Hawks did get 28 points from Bogdan Bogdanovich and a season high from Solomon Hill, season high 18. All from behind the arc. All right, Drink, over to you. Was this game more about the Bucks or more about the Hawks? This game is more about the Hawks for me. <clears throat> for those that want to say, oh, man, Nate McMillan took over. The Hawks, they ready to go. Let's go, baby, the playoffs. This game is a depiction of what people mean when they say it's levels to this. You don't just wake up in the morning and be a contender. You might be playing a little better, no no doubt, but you can't crown yourself a contender until you earn them stripes. This is what I mean. Giannis ain't played in six games. He came back, still had a pretty decent um, output. Nevertheless, whether Giannis had a, a decent output or not, you still for the most of the game, you, I mean, I guess it depends on how you look at a blowout or getting rolled. But you got dominated pretty much by, you know, a team that wasn't 100% healthy, I guess. And 
I'm looking at this specifically on the Hawks side because you hear all this, oh, the Hawks, are, they're arriving. They're, they're, they're the next coming. They're this, they're that. Trey Young and Collins and all that. And I do agree that the Hawks is a good up-and-coming team. But so is the Hornets. So, like, so is, like, it, it's, you know, it's other teams. Maybe Chicago might be an up-and-coming. It's other teams that I could point to and say the same exact thing to. But when I'm talking about elite-level um championship level contenders the bucks they're there at this point the hawks is not that's all it is to it and we've seen that yeah both teams are missing guys trey young didn't play his best i got it you you can't expect them to come out here and you know put on a show every night it's going to be ups and downs it's a long season but when you got born down bordanovich out here dropping 28 you, you might expect that you're going to get this dub because I mean, the re- if you actually look at the stats, the stats for the Hawks don't look terrible. But it just shows you that it's levels to competition. And the Hawks is not there. They're good, but they're not there yet. That's what That was the overall arching I got. The Bucks was the Bucks as far as I'm concerned. I didn't see nothing that was overly like, oh, man, the Bucks. The Bucks look like the Bucks. They look like a top three team in the Eastern Conference. That's what they look like. And the Hawks look like... A playoff team, but that's about it. That's about the ceiling for now. Um, so, I mean, listen, at the end of the day, I, I would like to see more from the Hawks. I'm a fan of the Hawks. I'm a fan of Nate Miller. I would like to see them more. But this, you learned that night in, night out, this is not it. Now, to your point about, um, you know, Chris Middleton, um, I wouldn't necessarily say he played terrible. I would like to see more. But then it's one of them things to me like, okay, he didn't score a lot, but what else did he do? Because, I mean, he did some things, but his plus minus was minus seven. So take that for what it's worth for, for everybody that looks at plus and, plus and minuses. But at the end of the day, I'm I i just I'm looking at this Hawks. This just not enough, man. I, that's probably in a nutshell. It's not enough. So, to answer your question, this game was more about the Hawks than the Bucks. The Bucks was just the, you know, championship level, you know, two-time MVP, all that good stuff that we've been saying about the Bucks for the last two to three seasons. And the Hawks is learning. You're going to need a little more to get up to that level. But we'll, we'll see. Shouts out to them. Shouts out to Nate Man Millen. I don't want to beat them up too bad, but it's levels, man. Y'all ain't ready yet. The Hawks just ain't ready for, the, for that Bucks smoke right now. We'll see what they do in the future. Yeah, I, uh, you think it, you said it's more about the Hawks. I disagree a little bit. I think it's more about the Bucks, and okay. uh, and here's why. We, we've talked about, and it's been pretty pretty clear that there is a distinct difference one through three in the East to everybody else. The Bucks have been sitting at third pretty consistently for a while. The Hawks have recently risen up to that fourth spot, and I think it was pretty important for Milwaukee to come out and cement their status as a top three team and leave no doubt. And I think they did that in this game. If you come out against Atlanta, a team that was without John Collins, DeAndre Hunter, and I believe there's a couple other, you know, guys, a Chris Dunn, uh, there's somebody else I'm missing. There's too many. I can't keep track of them all. There's too many guys not playing. Uh, But if you come out and you lose a game, to a team who I think is clearly 
although they're up and coming, they're not on the Bucks level. I think that would be some that would be somewhat concerning, which is why I was pretty encouraged with how they played. They were they were up by I believe 19 at one point in the fourth quarter. The game was not particularly close. And the Hawks got, uh, you know, when you get six threes from Solomon Hill, um, that let's just say that doesn't happen a whole mm-hmm. lot. No disrespect. Uh, but the Hawks, outside of Trey Young, the Hawks starters all shot the ball really well. Bogdanovich was really good. Kevin Herter was good. Capella had, you know, he was his usual big factor, double-double action. Um, that, that battle between Capella and Lopez was very entertaining. Um, but, you know, Milwaukee, even on a night where Giannis didn't have to do a whole lot, Middleton was was not was not particularly good, uh, especially shooting the ball. Uh, but they, one of the things we were looking, well, I was a little concerned about with Milwaukee coming in is I wasn't sure about their depth. Their depth looks to be pretty good, judging by uh, this game. I mean, when you, when you can bring Connaughton, Bobby Porter's, PJ Tucker, and Jeff Teague, a former All Star under Mike Budenholzer, I don't think we can forget that. Um, this. I mean, they're, they can go 10 deep when Dante DiVincenzo, you know, is healthy. So, you know, Brent Forbes stepping, stepping in in the starting lineup in this game. Uh, we know we know they have three players who, you know, we can call them a big three. I think Drew Holiday's proven that he's a, a tremendous player and an upgrade over the departed Eric Bledsoe. Um, I really thought he did a pretty good job last night on Trey Young. Um, I like I like how the Bucks defended it. Uh, they made it difficult for him. They put him, it seemed like they put him in a kind of in-between game. You know, a lot of NBA players, they want to shoot threes or get to the basket. They ran him off the three-point line a lot, but they wouldn't let him get all the way to the rim. It resulted in a lot of floaters. So, uh, there were plenty of those floaters that were makeable, um, but Trey Young was, he was not, he was not good in this game. Um, but uh, regardless, the Hawks, I mean, I don't look at it as a, a real blemish against against them. They got beat by a superior team. They were undermanned. Um, they're up and coming. A lot of people, I don't think, probably many people saw them being in the fourth spot ahead of a team like Boston at this point, or Miami, or teams like that. So there's no there's no shame in this. Um, but they still they still have a long way to go. When they get fully healthy, I think it'll be interesting to see you know how much noise they can make in the playoffs. Uh, but Nate McMillan's done a fabulous job, and I think he deserves. Um, some love, even though he's only coached probably about half the games, uh, Nate McMillan should be an honorable mention coach of the year candidate. I think he's deserving of that. When you look at a guy who came in when the Hawks were in 11th place in the Eastern Conference, and now fast forward just in this short period of time, there was 22. Their, their record is, is something pretty crazy since he's taken over. They much improved. Um, so all of that, all of that is a positive for the Atlanta Hawks. I don't think it's that big a deal they've lost this game. I do think it's important for Milwaukee. And Milwaukee, I think in the third spot, I think it's to their benefit. They've been the best team wire to wire the past two regular seasons. And it's put a little bit of a target on their back. They're not gonna have to deal with that this year. Philadelphia has been you know, pretty much in control of the Eastern Conference or you know, Brooklyn has gotten a step ahead of them here and there. But Philadelphia, with Joel Embiid, Ben Simmons, Doc Rivers, all the rest, and you know they, some of them guys like to chirp a little bit, so they're going to attract a lot of attention. 
And we know Brooklyn, Brooklyn has all the attention and everybody's gonna, everybody's gonna be coming for Brooklyn because you just wanna go out here with the, the Star Wars, the Star Wars 1992 dream team or whatever they trying to put together. They got a, they got a dude who, you know, Marcus Aldridge who just retired and they still incredibly stacked. They don't even make no sense. But Milwaukee in the third spot, I think it's, I think it's right where they belong. I think it's gonna be to their benefit come playoff time it'll be a little bit of a switch and rolls because I don't think there aren't many people that probably right now think Milwaukee can get out of the East, but I think it's dangerous to count them out right now. I think it's going to be interesting to watch them playing from the third seed as opposed to the top seed. Click. All right. Now to the betting odds surrounding the NFL win totals for the upcoming inaugural 17 game season. Caesars projects the Chiefs will have the greatest win total with 12 and the defending champion Buccaneers aren't far behind at 11.5. The Texans and Lions are on the opposite end of the spectrum with just five projected victories. Okay, Drink will play over under 32 times starting in the AFC East and the Bills, Caesars has them at 10.5, over under. I got them going over. I think um, they went 13-3 last season. I don't see what would stop them from doing that again this season. So I'm gonna take them on the over. I agree. Uh, I think I think 10, 10 and a half is a little conservative. You got to remember they got the extra game, so it's not like you have to ask them to go eleven and five. They could be in eleven and six. Um, Josh Allen doing what he's doing, you know, jumping up a little bit in the dare I say MVP type conversation, just a little bit. Right, right. Sean McDermott, exceptional coach. Yes, I think that's an over. The Dolphins they project them at nine. They were ten and six last year. Over under. Same thing here for the, for the Dolphins. Not necessarily the MVP conversation, but. Um, listen, they won 10 games last year, and they were still trying to figure it out. Pulling tour, pulling, you know, him and Fitzpatrick going back and forth. Um, listen, we know they're going to have a draft that's going to be impactful one way or another. They got too many draft picks for it not to be. Um, so, at nine, I'm, I'm going to have to take the over. I think they could do 10 or better. Yeah, I think that's an over. Uh, yeah, I don't know if I see Tua in that MVP conversation yet either but i do see him having a um an improved season they've added some weapons for him they got will fuller um Devontae parker he's no scrub um yeah i i find it hard to believe that the dolphins will not be able to be at least 10 and 7. i, I think that's an over uh bill belichick cam newton and the patriots and the free agent spending spree uh caesars has him at nine what you got over under uh, this might be an unpopular uh, push here, but I, I'm going to go with push. I'm, I'm going to go push. I think they're going to win nine. I, I do understand they're playing an extra game this season. I got that. But the NFC, I mean, the AFC East is a lot more competitive now than it used to be. And I think the Patriots is clearly, for me, the third best team until I watch them play. As of right now, they're the third best team in that division. They're going to get their freebies off the Jets for sure. But I don't know if they're going to necessarily split with the Bills or the Dolphins. We don't know. We got to see play. So as of right now, I'm going with the push for the Patriots until I see how all these pieces mix together. I'll give, I'll give them an over. I just, I just find it hard to believe that a team with that much that has invested so much in so much talent is going to be 9-8 and eight or worse. Um, I think Bill Belichick, he's got something to prove. I think Cam Newton's got something to prove. that They have upgraded this roster tremendously. Cam's going to have a lot more weapons. Um, so yeah, I think that's an over. Jets, uh, Vegas. I think they're a little generous here with the with the six. Um, what do you think? Is that a, is that an over or under? 
You absolutely right, baby. I took the under with the gravy on it. Listen, I don't, I, I, I don't know where you get wins from. To be honest with you, like, where, where, where exactly? Who do, who do you beat? No quarterback. A couple of good players that don't, that is not impactful because you don't got a quarterback. Your, your GM out here on a sabbatical. The, the owner, he worried about what's going on in other countries more than this one. Like. I went extra under on the Jets. I, can't. I went over on every other team in this division, so that would imply that those three teams are going to be use this as a use the Jets as a punching bag, and they will. Uh, so yeah, this this has got to be an under. I don't know where they get six wins. That's with it. Uh, if they don't have a quarterback, uh, Robert Sala, it's going to be it's going to be hard for him to generate a lot of wins at this team. Uh, I don't. even I can't even name that many players on this team because they're just not very good. So I might wake up the GM so they can, you know, start accumulating <laughs> some talent. Please do. On to the AFC North, the Ravens. Uh, we got them projected at 11 over under. Uh, I'm going to say over. I'm going to give them the extra game. I think they're going to win the extra game. So I got the Ravens as a push. I, it was very tough. I got to see Lamar Jackson push up some. They didn't really give him no help in the offseason. I got it. Maybe the draft might give him some help. Maybe I mean, it's not over with. The Ravens can still make some moves as of right now, but I give them the credit where it's due. They won 11. I think they can do the same thing, and they can go over and win another one. So I'm going to say over. I'm going to give them a push. Um, and because I was giving Lamar Jackson – a lot of credit coming off his MVP season. I said he'd come out and he would be much improved throwing the football. We didn't see that. Part of that is has to be that they just haven't invested in the weapons, although I think they they tried for some guys. You know, they tried to get Juju. They tried to get a couple other guys. Just didn't happen. So as of right now with the seeing, they're, they're going to have to do something in the draft for me to believe a little bit more. So I'm going to give them a push. I think they do win 11. Cleveland at 10. They were 11 and 5 last year over under. I'm taking the over, and I think Cleveland, by the way, I think they're going to be the divisional champs this year. Um, I don't, if Baker Mayfield comes out here and act like he give a rip about being the former number one overall pick for the Cleveland Browns, they should win the division. This team is ready to win now. It just, they just got to get, I, I don't know, they got to connect the dots or something. I don't know. But this team is built to win now. I think Kevin Savansky has shown that he's an adult. He can make this program going to, or to make this organization go in the right direction. With that said, I'm gonna take Cleveland with the over. Yeah, um, it's giving me no pleasure in saying so, but I'll take the over. Um, it, yeah, it's all gonna be about Baker Mayfield. Um, Cleveland just quite simply has they have too much talent, and you that that could be very well a position to take. Maybe you do look at them as the. Um, the team to beat in the division. Um, you bring in Jadavion Clowney to pair with Miles Garrett. They did just um, release Sheldon Richardson. Maybe that matters. Um, but I mean, they have a formula: run the football, uh, play action. You know, get uh, get pressure on the quarterback. Kevin Stefanski, you're right on the money about him. He's proved it um, that he can he can be that adult that they so desperately needed. And I, I'll I'll go over for Cleveland, Pittsburgh. They were 12 and 4 last year, but they're only projected at 9 for the upcoming season. Over under. I would take the over just cuz they got project 9. God, that's kind of low. 
Um, I'm going to take the over. Not by much, but I do think they're going to win more than nine games, especially in the season where you get an extra game. I just got to believe that they're going to win more than nine, so I'm going to take the over. Yeah, I agree. I mean, until – I mean, Ben Roethlisberger was pretty good last year. You know, they, they tailed off a little bit late, but the whole team did. But, I mean, they, they got some – they got a little bit – Fortunate in free agency with some guys coming back. Juju came back. Tyson Alawalu came back. Vince Williams came back. I think all of that matters. And Big Ben's going to have the same really good weaponry he had last year with Juju, Claypool, James Washington, Deontay Johnson. They they got a new offensive coordinator. You know, I I thought a lot of Randy Fink during years past, but I swear, I, I don't know what he was doing last year. They, they could not figure out anything about running the football. They get a running back. They get a little bit more physical up front. That defense is going to be what it does with Mike Tomlin and Keith Butler. I think yeah, I think this is an over. Cincinnati at six and a half, coming off that 4-11-1 season last year, over-under. I'm going to take the over. I think they win at least seven games. Um, if they had to say it's seven, if the projection would have been seven, I would have said push. But since it's six and a half, I'm going to say over. Um, listen, I, I – I'm not the most confident in the Bengals. I'm not going to sit here and act like I am. But I do like what Joe Burrow is doing. I do like T Hig- him and T. Higgins. I like I- – I just think they got enough where they can win at least seven games. And, I mean, listen, they went 4-11, but we got to remember this. Joe Burrow got hurt at a certain point of the season, and it was over with at that point. It was done, stick a fork in the rest of the season. Joe Burrow comes back. If he looks like Joe Burrow, I think they win seven. So, yeah, I'm going to take the over. I'm going to go under just because I I think it – look, if you say over, it's because you believe in Joe Burrow. If you say under, it's because it's You don't the believe in Joe thing. Burrow. It's, well, I, <laughs> not because <laughs> – I think Joe Burrow – Joe Burrow had a – you know, has played as good as he could last year before he right. got hurt. Uh, I, I'm just unsure of this team. You know, the offensive line still got question marks there. You know, uh, they got to keep him upright and they can't – he can't get hurt and keep getting hurt behind that porous offensive line. So I, it's just, it's, that's just the organ, and that's all the organization too. You know, it, it, that's a hard place to have success. And because of that, I'm, I'm taking the under. The Colts newly acquired Carson Wentz back with his old mentor, Frank Reich. They got him at 10 over under. It's so easy. I'm taking the over. It just, everything screams that this team's going to win 13 games this year to me. Like, I just feel like they're going to be a 13 win team. They're going to win Division Two. Hey, I hear that. I hear about the rest of the division. Listen, Carson Wentz, people forget how good Carson Wentz is. I think we're going to get a resurrection of Carson Wentz with the um, uh, Frank Wright connection, put them together. We already know how the rest of the coast is built to succeed. I think they win somewhere between 13 and 14 games. I'm going to take the over. If they can win 11 games with Phillip Rivers and his whole family, they can win 11 games with Carson Wentz. Yes, I'm taking it over because I don't think this division is all that good outside of Indianapolis. This is an over. Uh, the Titans at nine and a half. They won 11 last year as well. Over under. I got, I'm going to take the over with them too. Um, I, just, I think they could – I just look at this team and say they can win 10 games. I mean – they can win ten games. They won eleven. They went eleven to five last year. You get them an extra game. Derrick Henry gonna come back in here doing what he do. Tannehill, you you brought back. You know I mean, you did lose some talent. I thought you brought back enough talent to finish second in this division. So 
I'm, I'm going to take the over with the Titans. I think they can win 10 or more games. I'm taking the under. I know we don't have 500 teams no more going in time, but this looks like a 500 team to me with Ryan Tannehill, Derrick Henry. It's, it's all about Derrick Henry and how, how far he can carry you. I think he's going to have a little bit of a pullback year, and because of that, Ryan Tannehill is going to way pullback year. We know he's not worth whatever they're paying him, and because of that, this is a slight under for me. Jacksonville, they got him at six, up from one and 15 last year. <laughs> It's a lot of love well, for Urban Meyer and Trevor Lawrence. I'm gonna tell you right now, I'll take the over if it was if I had to do the one in fifteen part. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like six? No, absolutely not. I'm gonna take the under. Here's the deal. And I, I'm not trying to be disrespectful to Jacksonville, but here's the deal. You got a new head coach, you're gonna have a new quarterback. That means that's a new system. If you think I'm blowing smoke, let's go look at Arizona two years ago when you had a new quarterback and a new coach. You got to figure this out. Urban, I got it. Urban Meyer, one of the best coaches to do this. This is the NFL. It hits a little different in the NFL. So you're going to have to learn something. You're going to have to do more. And with that said, I'm going to take that whopping under for Jacksonville. If it was if it was 1-15 over under, that might be a push for me. <laughs> just, oh, but yeah. Expect a phone call from George later. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> This is, and this is all for his benefit, by the way. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I can't. I feel like going from one to six, even though I mean we assume Trevor Lawrence will be a huge upgrade, Urban Meyer should be a huge upgrade. But you gotta be, gotta feel like there's gonna be a little bit of a learning curve for that. Right. And because of that, you know, four or five win team for me. That this is a slight under. Houston, one of the aforementioned bottom of the barrel projection teams. They were four and twelve last year. They're getting a little love to five. I, what do you think? Over under, under, under. Like, you won four games with a Deshaun Watson. Now, if he don't play because of everything that's going on, mm-hmm. you're gonna win five games. Man, please. Nah, I'm taking the under on that. That's ridiculous. Yeah, I, I see no conceivable way they can go five and twelve. And this, this Deshaun Watson thing is turned to spiraling, spiraling out of control. Even if he does play, I don't know, you know, what does he have? They, are they, how focused will he be? How focused? And I know they imported some other running back who used to, well, oh, they got Philip Lindsay in there. I'm sure him, uh, David Johnson, and just, it, it all sounds questionable. They're free agency. Oh, yeah, they're free agency stuff they did. It didn't make a lot of sense. It looked like they was trying to compete move for move with New England. But they was it was just losing. So I, yeah, first year head coach, a quarterback. We don't know what's going on. Uh, the defense doesn't have anybody. You know, JJ Watts out of town. Yeah, I, I I see no way they can get to five wins. It's an under. Kansas City Chiefs. They got them at twelve over under. I'm gonna take the over. Like they won fourteen games last year while poo pooing around. Now we just yeah. seen them get smoked in the Super Bowl. You don't think they're gonna come back and want to do something about that? I'm gonna take the over on that. I, I, I see them winning between 15 and 16 games. Beyond, They got a point to prove. They looked at very bad in the, in the Super Bowl. We've seen them look about as worse as they looked since Patrick Mahomes been there. I just got to believe they're coming back with vengeance. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I, you know, 12, 12, 12 does seem a little safe at the, you know, if he was playing conservative, you say it's a push, and I'll be a little bit, you know, a little bit more aggressive. You know, Patrick Mahomes, best quarterback in the league. They've just that what they're doing with that offense, you know, it's ridiculous. Their defense just has to be somewhat competent. They have been. I think they continue to be. Yeah, that's that's an over. Chargers, they got them at nine off a good rookie season from Justin Herbert. New coach in town. 
Over-under. I'm going to have to take the under. And it's only because this is back to what we were saying last year when we were talking about the coach firing. I just felt like you got to give Anthony Lynn another year to fix, like him and for Herbert to get together. Instead, you booted him out. You brought in this cat. What? Another no-name cat that got hired this offseason. And now Justin Herbert got to learn everything new again. Dude, it's only his second year, folks. It's only his second year. Now let's just revamp the whole the whole scheme. And, hey, hey Justin, it's on your back. Take us to the promised land. I feel like that's going to be a lot for the young man. So I'm going to take the under for the Chargers. Yeah, I agree. It could be just a little bit of a sophomore slump coming at you. You know, I don't. Yeah, I, I do. I do agree. I think the the thing that bothered me the most was they they went a defensive coach as opposed to bringing in an offensive guy to work with the young quarterback, Justin Herbert. So, because of that, I'm gonna take the under, as well. The Las Vegas Raiders, in what is it, year four or five of something another out of John Gruden's lifetime, hundred million dollar contract. They got him at eight, and that is a under five hundred projection. What do you think? Over under. I'm taking the under. Did you the, listen? They <laughs> they sold their whole offensive line. Like I don't. Mm. The minute they got rid of a very productive offensive line, I was like, "Wait, what is John? Wait, I guess you could do that when you got a contract like his." So listen, at the end of the day, I'm taking the under. I don't know what the hell they doing in Las Vegas other than opening the city back up for events. But with that said, this ain't this ain't gonna cut it. I'm taking the under. I don't know what's going on with the Raiders. Yeah, I, I'm inclined to agree with you. I'm going to take the under. I, I don't like what I saw from that off from you know getting rid of a lot of that offensive line. Rodney Hudson, Trent Brown, just to name a few. Um, you know that was a big part of what they could do well with Josh Jacobs and keeping Derek Carr upright. Um, and outside of that, I'm just you know thinking about it. I don't I don't see how much better they've gotten at, at other positions at this point. So yeah, with that in mind, I'm gonna I'm gonna say under. And the Denver Broncos bringing up the rear at 7.5 over under. If Denver could get a quarterback, I'll take the over. Until they, they figure out the quarterback situation, I'm going to take the under because as talented as Denver is, very talented team, that quarterback situation is something else. Even with the backfield, as you got a pretty stable backfield, I think. Um, you got the wide receivers. You got one of the best tight ends. I just said this over and over. This division is the best tight end division in football. Just if you just break down the tight ends, you won't find four better tight ends than what this division going to give you. But the problem is you kind of need a quarterback to throw to the tight end, and that's where Denver is at. So I'm going to take the under until I figure out what that quarterback situation is. I think that tight end point still does stand up, even though the Chargers lost Hunter Henry. I think they brought in Jared Cook. So, yeah, I think right. I think it still does stand up. Uh, I'm, you know, I'm – I got my feelings hurt last year. I was believing in them. I was believing in Drew Locke. I, I you know, I think this team is almost, and I really, I don't like this comparison, but this, that kind of Cleveland light, mm. because I don't think you, I, I'm not a big believer in Baker Mayfield. I'm not sure you are either, but no, they are no. so talented around him that you don't need a whole lot from. I think Denver is a little bit similar. All I think all they need for them to be above 500, which would give them an over, and actually eight would give them an over, but Drew Lock got you got to cut out the turnovers. The Drew Lock cuts out the turnovers, take care of the football. I think they get it over, and I think this team is is definitely talented enough to get it over. They got to fix the turnovers. I think they do. They get it over. Oh, the Dallas Cowboys. As we move over to the NFC, 
They're getting love at 9.5 with the return of Dak Prescott. They were 6-10 and 10 last year, over-under. I'm going to take the over. I, I think you got a happy quarterback. You got a semi-happy running back. If you can get that offensive line, if you can get them to stay healthy, it's not even if you can get them to play well. You just need them to stay healthy. If you can get them to stay healthy, you, you got more than enough when it comes to the wide receivers, tight end. You get Blake Jordan back. Um, Mike McCarthy, second year in the program uh, in the organization. I think he's going to be better. You got uh, Kellen Moore. This is third year. I think he should be better. Um, what the, the, the coach from Atlanta, he's the new defensive uh, coordinator. Yeah. Um, so it, it's it's a lot going on there. I think they should be better. I'm gonna take the over just because the rest of the division, I don't know. Mm. Yeah. So I'm gonna take the over. This better be an over, or somebody's gonna be. <laughs> this better be an over, or else somebody's gonna Listen. be really upset with their investment. Give me the Jerry Jones up in the right corner camera the whole game for the whole season, so I can see how disappointed he is when this becomes an over. And I messed it up. And under, I don't believe. It. I really don't. Um, you know, the, the, the Cowboys, they, they're just born to, to disappoint at this right. point. Just like that little uh, climactic thing I just did that didn't work. Anyway, yeah, they're, they're an under. Uh, Washington at eight with Ron Rivera and other assorted people out there. I don't know what they're doing for a quarterback uh, over under. I'm going to take a push. But before, I want to say this. This whole division is an under. I think people need to understand that. That is why we're yes, struggling over here with this division. Yeah. This division is an under. It's it's ridiculous. But with Washington, I'm going to take a push. I think eight is about that ceiling until they got a lot that needs to happen in Washington. Robert Barry is doing some good stuff there. But Snyder not. So it's a lot that needs to happen. With that said, it's I, I, I'm going to give him credit for, you know, Robert Barry being a hard worker and do what he do. I'm going to give him a push at eight. I was about to give them an over, but then I just was thinking about this quarterback situation, and I don't even know. I don't even know what it is. Right. Tyler Taylor Heineke. It ain't Dwayne Haskins. It's not Alex no. Smith. I no. something has that you got to show me a quarterback, and I I will give me something, and I will reevaluate. I want to give this over because Ron Rivera last year did a tremendous job, um, even though that division just just stinks. But you know. Quarterback uncertainty. I, I gotta I gotta give him an under. The the Giants with Joe Judge, Daniel Jones, and maybe Saquon Barkley will play at one point. They're at seven over under. I'm taking the over. I think this is the team that's gonna push. It's gonna be between the Giants and the Cowboys for the division. I'm gonna take the over. I think um, Saquon come back. Now he's learning the NFL game what he can and cannot do, so he won't be hurt all the time. Daniel Jones ain't terrible. Was he the number six pick overall? Probably not. But he, he first round, okay, whatever. Um, Joe Judge, you know, as bland as he is, he got something going there. Him and all, oh, clap it, clap, clap. They got something going on there. So that that seems to be successful. And listen, it seems look, it seems like they're in the market to get one of the top three receivers in the draft this year. Um, whether that's you know uh, Jamar Chase, Devontae Smith, or Jaden Waddle. Um, so, I, I like where they at, and I think they got things coming in somewhat of a full circle. But once again, like I said, this whole division is an under. But I'm going to take the over on the Giants. I'm disappointed. You said this whole division was an under. I'm hearing a lot of overs over there. I'm going under. Uh, I, I do I do think Joe Judge was fairly impressive last year until 
the last week of the season when he was crying about what the Eagles was doing with their quarterback situation. So I, but I mean, I'm I'm not a believer in Daniel Jones. Um, Saquon Barkley just can't just can't get healthy for whatever reason. Uh, it's it's close. This this probably is a push, but just because on principle with this division, it's it's an under. The Philadelphia Eagles, um, they don't have Carson Wentz anymore. They have Jalen Hurts. They have a new coach. I can't even remember who that coach is. Um, uh, they're at six, seven. Six, that seems six, a bit Nick generous. Wilson? Over under. Sirani, Nick Sirani. Sirani, yeah. I don't know. It's absolutely under. It's it's absolutely. That, like I said, you like well, like you just said, I can't call the whole division under, then give everybody over. Um, they're, they're definitely under. Don't you worry about this. We got a coach out here. They call him stuttering Stan and all that mess. You got Jalen Hurts out here. What do you make of that situation right now? Um, it's too many positions that, that has to be rebuilt. It's just, it's a downright, uh, should I say, clown show there. So with that said, I'm going to take that awesome under for the Philadelphia Eagles. This seems like the... You know, you can make, I think you make arguments for all the other teams that you can give them a little bit of love and give them an over, but I think seven is way too generous <laughs> based on what we saw last year. New coach, we, we don't even do the honor of like giving him his name when we come in here. Jalen Hurts, I mean, I, uh, I, I want to believe, but it, I just don't see, I just don't think he's got enough help. This is, and it, this roster, just when you look at it, they, they looking like a bunch of has-beens at this point. That's it. A lot of guys are getting old, and they, they have not revamped and retooled and, re, and reloaded. So, yeah, I think this is an under. Now, the NFC North, Green Bay, 11. They were 13-3 last year. Over-under. I'm um, take the over. I don't I don't see – I mean, Green Bay look like the same pretty, pretty similar team from last year. I mean, he's still bringing back Rodgers. He's still got a point to prove. Uh, we know with Jones and um, – Williams doing the backfield. Need I say more about Devontae Adams? Um, and it seems like the other guys they they give they doing what they need to do. I don't I don't know. I don't I don't see a reason why they should drop. Unless the rest of this division is just gonna come and knock your head off this year. I don't see a reason. So this is easy over for me. Yeah, this is an I think this is an over for me. I don't you know, Aaron Rodgers, they paid Aaron Jones, Devontae Adams, you know about them Smith boys out there. Jair Alexander, just so much to like about this team. They're also pretty solid up front with uh, Kenny Clark. Don't forget about David Bakhtiari. So many, so many good things to say. Um, to me, if this team, the question is, just going to be in the playoffs. Can they, can they make a deep run and be serious in the playoffs? And I swear, if they draft a quarterback in the first round, I'm going to lose it. I'm going to lose it. Do that again. Uh, <laughs> Vikings at eight and a half. Vikings at eight and a half. Yeah. That's a that would be a five hundred team. Uh, over under. I'm taking over. I think Vikings are gonna be a lot more improved this year. Um, I think last year was kind of a shock for them. You know, Zimmerman like, oh man, I gotta put in some work this offseason. Um, but Kirk Cousins, he gets to come in there and be copy and paste like he do. Um, you know, Jefferson, we seen what he did. It went off last year. Thielen, um. But I think this offense for sure going to run through Cook this year. Um, and I think – I ain't going to draw it out. Anyway, I see the makings of this where the Vikings should be a more improved team. I don't see them taking a step back, so I'm going to take the over. They, they, have, they have to be an over. If this is not an over, this is, this is Minnesota. Yeah, this is Minnesota. If this is not an over, 
I'm going to take a position I've never took before. They should riot if this is not a if this is not over. They should. Dalvin Cook, Kirk Cousins, Kirk Cousins got to get it done with Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen. Mike Zimmer's defense will be better. This better be an over. Chicago Bears at seven and a half over under. Under. Like, are you kidding me? Uh, <laughs> they have done nothing to make me believe. What? Even if they would have projected them at five and a half, I would have said under. Listen, I'm not. What are we talking about here? What What are we talking about here? I, I, under, under, under. Yeah, this is an under. Andy Dalton, really. There's oh, a, a lot. There's a lot to ask out of this uh, defense that you know is pretty pretty good year in out year out. They haven't been as good as they were a couple of years ago, uh, but I, I I just can't get excited about Andy Dalton. I get excited about Allen Robinson, but I feel bad for him. It'd be nice to have a quarterback once in a while. Uh, the Lions at five over under. So this probably be one of the rare times you you hear me um, use an analogy from golf. But I thought in golf, you got to have good kneecaps so they don't hurt on the course. And that's what we got here. So you add in kneecaps with golf, you're like, man, bad. Dude like to eat kneecaps. Golf like, uh, we're going to take the under because we just don't know what, what's going on here. Um, we're more interested in what Ford going to do with their next vehicle than this team winning. <laughs> Um, so I'm gonna take that outstanding whopping under for the Detroit Lions. I was I was about to say something about kneecaps, but I I figured you pick it scoop it on up for me. Yeah, I, <laughs> yeah, five five. It ain't even that much to do, but much like the Texans, new coach. Now they got at least the Lions got a new quarterback. He might play. I don't think he's got legal issues going on right now, but I'm not. I'm I'm not a believer, and uh, with all that in mind, yeah, this is an under. The Bucks at eleven and five, eleven and five last year, over under. Oh, I'm taking the over. I think the Bucks got a chance to go undefeated this year. I'm I'm saying it. Definitely your division champs. That's without a doubt. But the Saints, the I they should go undefeated in this division. I don't see the Saints winning the game. I don't see the Panthers winning the game or the the Falcons. I'm just being real. This team signed for the first time since, like, I forgot what the date is, 1950-something or something like that. They signed all 22 starters. They want the smoke. They're going to come back. I think they're going to want the smoke. I think this division is going to be in trouble this year because Tom Brady, we seen how drunk he was after the win, so that means it, it, it matters. Um, so with all that said, yo, I'm taking the over by a large margin. Yeah, I, th- I think this is an over. Reloaded, got everybody back, everybody that you could ever want. They'll probably be, still be bringing in more players. They're going to be drafting luxury positions like the Chiefs were last year. Yeah, this is an over. The uh, Saints, nine and a half, 12 and four last year, over under. I'm over. I'm, I'm going to give them the over. I think even with Jameis Winston or um, Taysom Hill, whoever they're going to have. I think they're going to go with Jameis Winston this year. Um, with him back there, listen, you know, if Jameis Winston don't turn over the ball, it's still enough talent on his team to get the job done to win 10 games. It's going to be tough now because you it's going to be tough. You did look – like you said, Cook, he's out of the building. Um, so I think it's going to be tougher. However, I do see him win 10 because their defense is still stout. They still got with that going on for them. Sean Payton's still coming back. So you still got familiar pieces. But I, 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 I'm going to say over at 10. 
close. Yeah, I struggle with this one as well, but I think I'm going to go under just because I'm going to have to see it proven to me that they can win without Drew Brees. Um, they still are loaded at a lot of other positions. Um, hopefully they get Michael Thomas back and he has a big year. But, uh, yeah, without Drew Brees and with uncertainty, I gotta, I'm just going to have to see Jameis Winston play winning football and throwing the ball to his own team. Um, I think the Saints take a little bit of a step back. I think the, I think the following year uh, they'll be back. They'll be back up and running at full speed. The Panthers at seven and seven and a half wins, five and eleven last year. Over under. Over. I'm gonna say over. Um, I think they could win eight or more games. Is why. Um, when this point five stuff be killing me. I'm gonna say over though, <laughs> uh, because listen, Matt Rule second year, Joe Brady second year. You bringing in Sam Donald, you're gonna have a little competition. Now the defense should only get better because they was all brand spanking new last year. So they should get better. You still got your weapons at wide receiver. We know what Christian McCaffrey bring to the game. There's no need to bring that up. Um, so with all that said, I just I see them going up. So I'm gonna take the over for the Panthers. Yeah, I think this is an over. I think the Panthers might be the most, you know, that sleeper, sleeperish team because they got it, they got a quarterback who got some upside. I don't think you know ever really had that much of a chance in New York. I think Joe Brady brings him in, coaches him up. And I think uh, I think we could see the Panthers at about ten wins. I think they they can be they're gonna be a playoff team next year. I like what they've done. This is an over. The Falcons at seven wins. They were four and twelve last year. Over and under. Oh, I'm taking the under. They like they can't. I'm taking the under. I don't see. I don't see a path to success. To be honest with you, like I'm looking. The offense cool. They got some stars on offense. I ain't mad at that. The defense, not so much. And now it seems like you're going to draft, you're looking to draft Kyle Pitts. Like, because that's what you need, another weapon on offense. So, if that is the case, I'm, I'm good on that. I'm going to take the under. Yeah, this is an under. I just had to, something about these, this new, this new crop of NFL head coaches. I got to Google just about every one of them. And I forgot <laughs> that it's old Arthur, Arthur Smith out there just bringing all kind of excitement down there to the city. Yeah, I, I, it, it seems like it's just a re- same old recycled offensive stuff that we see with Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley. You bring Kyle Pitts in there, yeah, I'm sure you'll score more points, but I'm not, I'm not sold on this defense. I don't, think, I don't think they're much to get excited about. This is an under. And to the NFC West and the Rams at 10 and a half, over under. Oh, I'm taking the over. You best believe this. Sean McVay, one of the smart guy, one of the biggest brains offensively in the in the game today. You think they traded for um, Stafford and then don't have a plan ready? Oh, they about to be ready. Um, the Rams. I'm taking the over on the Rams. I think he's gonna take them to the next level. Yeah, I think I think it's an over. Matt Stafford coming in there with Robert Woods and Cooper Cup, and don't forget about Cam Akers. Really got going for him down the stretch. Sean McVay. He's shown that he can. <laughs> You know, win at a very high clip in this in this league. Uh, I think it was a smart move to go elsewhere from Jared Goff and uh, Aaron Donald, Jalen Ramsey. They they do have other guys on this defense, although those two guys get all the love. Yeah, this is an over. The 49ers at ten. They were six and ten last year. Over under. I'm I'm going under because even so, the big thing with the 49ers now is. Garoppolo is going to hang on for one year and the 49 is going to draft his Eric uh, apparent and all this other stuff. But what I look at is 
they lost a lot of talent. I don't even know if they really supplemented the talent that they lost, to be honest with you. Like, I'm looking, they lost some pieces. Um, I'm not feeling real confident about the 49ers right now. Now, Mike, I mean, Kyle Shanahan, I feel very confident about him, but that's about it. The only reason I ain't saying they're going to lose more is because of him. So, I mean, 6 and 10, they got him at 10. Uh, I'm, I'm going to take the under on that one. I can I can see how people may think that they could you know jump back into the swing and things they they were just decimated by injuries up and down the roster last season but I'm yeah I think there's too much uncertainty here the quarterback position is it Garoppolo they're doing a lot of moving around in the draft so I'm not quite sure what to make of them and I just don't don't forget also no Robert Sala so we don't know how that's going to impact that defense so I think I feel I feel comfortable taking the under right here. The Seahawks also at 10, they were the division champs 12 and 4 last year, over under. Push. I'm 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 push. I, I gotta give him a push because I I come on man. Could could Russell Wilson get an offense a lot? Like I don't I don't get why he has to fight so hard to get protection. I don't get it. On the other hand, I mean, at least you did make some stuff happen with the guys that were supposed to leave. They end up coming back. But then you lost your number one corner. You let him go off somewhere else. Um, I, I don't know. I'm just I, – I, I, I haven't seen enough out of the Seahawks that made me a believer that they got enough to, you know, step forward. I'm going to give them the same. I'm going to give them the push. I think, you know, 10 wins about right for me. Yeah, I think I think it's an over. I think it's a slight over eleven and six. I feel I feel like that's a safe bet. Um, it's, it's Russell Wilson and Pete Carroll. You know, I know that they don't even care about drafting certain positions that you know we knuckleheads out here in the so-called media think are important. But regardless, Russell Wilson, he just you know put his old pack on and just stuff everybody in it and just carry him up the mountain to a you know a respectable season. I think he does it again, and I'll take the over. And last but not least, the Cardinals at eight over under. I'm gonna t- I'm gonna use your line from earlier. This better be a over, or it's about to be a whole lot of firing going on. You already know my philosophy on this team right here. I keep telling you, I think Cliff Barry is about to get fired this year. And um, hey Cliffy, you better be over eight, or you get fired. You fired. So. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna take. Uh, I, I'm gonna take the over because it has to happen for them if they want to keep things intact. Ooh, I tell you, if if this if this division's win projections come true, ooh, it might be over. And I hope I hope Cliff didn't read this because if he did, he probably sitting up there sweating somewhere. They're like, oh no, <laughs> I swear. If they don't if they don't get an over and they don't make the playoffs, he might be out of here because they've done they've accumulated way too much talent to be, you know, sitting here flopping around in last place. So, yeah, I, I'm i going to say over. I'm going to say over, but even if – I like this division. I think it's still the best division in football, and I think they got to make the playoffs. So he might be gone. And that's it. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Over Under. We'll be right back with the next segment. Click. All right, we now turn to the perceived number one NFL draft pick, Trevor Lawrence. Lawrence did a cover story for Sports Illustrated this week, and of course, some of his comments have been seized upon to fill the time slots on the sports shows. Hey, that's what we're doing here, Drink. Lawrence said many things for his Sports Illustrated story, (laughs) but the phrase most talked about surrounds him saying that he does not have a huge chip on his shoulder. All right, Drink, is there anything in this Sports Illustrated story that changes your opinion about Trevor Lawrence? No, if anything, it's strengthening my opinion about Trevor Lawrence. Why do I say that? He seems to be a guy 
that's come to grips to what what he is, what he does, who he is, how he's perceived, and the environment around him. What do I mean by that? If he had a came in, like, first of all, this is why it's a problem for athletes or public figures to be honest. He was being honest. But what Sports Illustrated wanted, evidently, was the status quo answer. Yeah, I got a chip on my shoulder. I want to be the greatest to ever play. Won't they want all the, you know, copy and paste bull boop that these people say? He didn't do that. He's like, all right, I don't have a chip on my shoulder. And instead of Sports Illustrated saying, hmm, I wonder why he feel that way. No, nah, we go, oh, my God, I can't believe he said it. Oh, wow, this dude is disrespectful to the game of football. Oh. <laughs> he don't want to be great, you heard? You know what I'm saying? He want to play this alpha male game, and he don't want to be great. He want to grow his hair out and have his cool Ray-Bans on. We ain't got time for this. <laughs> Who do this guy think he is? He thinks he's Trevor Lawrence. The same Trevor Lawrence that been the best thing sliced since 10th grade in high school. That's who he think he is. Listen, and from everything I hear, it's not like Trevor Lawrence came from a, a, a poverty-ridden like community. He he, he seen his family is doing well for themselves. So even if he didn't play football, he'll be doing something else. Um, he's very confident within himself where he don't got to sit out here and make, you know, extra motivation for himself. He plays the game. He feel like he plays the game well. He feel like he plays the game as good as he can play the game. He don't need to prove anything else. He's been number one since he's been football his whole life. So I would like for somebody to explain to me, why in the hell would he have a chip on his shoulder? Is it a problem not to have one? Can you not live life without having a chip on your shoulder? Like, I don't understand why every player comes in got to be this Ultra aggressive. I want to win. I'm hungry. <laughs> foaming at the mouth. No, you know what I'm saying? What are we talking about here? He's fine. He's okay. He's cool. It's not. He's not Josh Rosen with a, a, a inflatable jacuzzi in his room and he's just getting ridiculous with it. He's not doing that. <laughs> he's just saying, listen, I don't have a chip on my shoulder. Football is football, but it's not my everything. I have other stuff that I'm interested in. You know who else sounded like that and went number one overall just recently? Miles Garrett. You know what Miles Garrett said in his draft process? He was like, oh, it's cool, but I'm more into other stuff. He said that. He, he said football was not even his priority. He's just good at it. And look what do you know? He's good at it. Look what he's doing. He's wrecking habit. Oh, Helmets, man. Bam. Helmets. He might get a little off the rails. But listen, at the end of the day, when you actually think about it, that's what the NFL want, right? They want that type of craziness. They want, oh, yeah. Yep. to a slim gym. They want all that, right? <laughs> but when a player comes with a cool level head and says, I'm gonna chill with my shoulder. I'm coming here and play my game. You know what I'm saying? I'm a, I'm gonna be the best Trevor Lawrence I could be. I'm gonna be the best, you know, me. Oh, he don't love the game good enough all week. Man, we might have to go with Justin Fields now. Cause he don't, we don't love the game good enough, man. We hey, hold up, what that Zach Wilson? Bring let's interview Zach Wilson now, because I ain't feeling this. And I, I think it's an overreaction. Once again, you said this perfect in the lead in. <laughs> we ain't got nothing else to talk about, so let's slap in Trevor Lawrence. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> So that's what I think. This I think it's more about let's give us something to talk about. Let's nitpick. Let's just be what we are in today's society. We pick everything apart. We criticize everything. But at the end of the day, 
his comments were not disrespectful. They wasn't degrading. They were. I don't. I don't get the big uproar. He's allowed to feel how he feel, and if he don't got a chip on his shoulder, he don't need to have one. He don't have to have one. And quite frankly, why would he have one? Yeah, yeah. Probably couldn't say it better myself, but I'll attempt to. I'm. Uh, I. You know, when I first you know heard about a little bit of some of this, like, oh, Trevor Lawrence said something, did, a, did an article for Sports Illustrated, whatever. What did he say? It had to been something crazy. And I didn't you actually take time to look through and like, I can't even find nothing. It was all that crazy. And I think the, I guess the, from what, from my understanding, the comments that's getting the most uh, dissection is the, the chip on, the chip on your shoulder. And then that's got, oh, well, are you really serious about the game of football? What does that speak about your preparation and all, you know, all the rest of it. But I'm, uh, I'm just, I'm just a little bit curious ever since Trevor Lawrence burst on the scene and took over for Kelly Bryant in Clemson, you know, since then there, I, I, I don't think there's been much negative, if anything that I've heard from Trevor Lawrence, it's been the opposite, you know, and like Mel Kuyper, you know, he'd been evaluating players for years coming out of college. Since 1979, Kuyper's got Lawrence as the fourth best quarterback prospects. The only three better are two first ballot Hall of Famers, John Elway and Peyton Manning. And the other one, Andrew Luck, probably would have been a first ballot Hall of Famer if, you know, they, they had had a competent GM at the time. So, you know, when you're up at that level, and that's what everyone has been telling you for years, I don't. I'd be, it'd be a little bit curious if he did have an underdog mentality, just, you know, because some of that doesn't it get tiring. Cause you know, you've, you've seen it when guys get drafted, you know, outrageously high. And then you have everybody come up there, you know, and they just out there in tears. Like, yeah, nobody believed in us. And just all this, nobody believed in you. Huh? That's why you got drafted number one overhaul. Please. Can we stop? You know, that, so in some ways, like you say, we, we say this, we've said this many times, you know, we want, we expect athletes to, you know, be open with the media, talk to us and be, you know, more engaging with the public. But we, sometimes we get upset with what they say because they don't give us the canned answers that kind of coincide with what you should say. So, so I, we, we can't, we can't, you know, demand one thing from the athletes and then be upset when they give it to us. I, I didn't have really any problem with anything he said. I think, you know, I, I thought a lot of things, what he said was very mature. They come from, you know, a perspective to where you're actually taking into account, you know, some type of forward thinking um, mindset, because I think, I think it's, it's, um, it's not, it's not the easiest thing to you know be of that age and be thinking long term because you know nobody plays football forever you know and and in this day and age where we're concerned about you know player health and safety due to concussions and all the rest we've seen guys retire at younger ages you know many a time whether it's chris borland whether it's luke kigley and there's several other examples we can get into you know i think that's one of the things trevor lawrence could be looking at like and Andrew Luck, he's another example for you, a guy that walked away from the game early. So, you know, understanding that and realizing there's more, there is more to life than football, whether it's faith, whether it's family, you know, 
whether it's a second career, all different type of things we could be thinking of. You know, I thought a lot of, I thought he had a very mature perspective on where he is and where he's going. And with everything he's been told, uh, you know, I don't, I don't see why he would have a different mindset and just manufacture, you know, some type of narrative that he is the underdog. Not everybody can be Kobe Bryant or Michael Jordan and just make up, you know, motivation out of everywhere. I don't think it, I don't think it, I think it amounts to about nothing. And I think, you know, this type of type of year, when we, this time of year, when we lead up to the drive, there's so many things that are said and happen and we can get into, but I always go back to what did you do on the field? What did you do in that 60 minutes of game time? And we know there isn't much that we can critique that's negative, but I, I know nothing he said in this article changes my opinion about the, the guy. I do have questions. I've always been a little bit, you know, I, I've always thought the hype is a little bit overblown because I, I'm wondering what you're going to do when you get out of a football factory that Clemson is and you go down to Jacksonville where you don't have Dabo Sweeney, you don't have T. Higgins, you don't have Travis Etienne and all the rest of these guys. What do you do then? That that's I think so. I think he does have something to prove, but I don't I don't blame him for feeling the way he does. And oh by the way, the whole the whole thing about, you know, somebody else that has said this, you know, whether it's Justin Fields, well he did well, number one, Trevor Lawrence didn't say anything ridiculous. I don't think anything he said, I think you're really reaching and stretching and misconstruing what he said if you're talking about this, you know, being a factor for does he love the game of football? Is this speak to his preparation. So I think people, you know, playing the little race games and all that, like Lewis Riddick did on ESPN. I I think it's silly. I think it's just something we need to, we need to, you know, pump the brakes on and just stop making everything about race. Cause I don't think it's, I don't think it's all that productive. All right. Time to finish off this show with rapid reaction. A lot of topics, a little bit of time. Take it away. Drink. Let's roll, baby. On Thursday, the Brooklyn Nets center, LaMarcus Aldridge, retired after 15 seasons in the NBA. Jay, what is your biggest takeaway? Uh, uh, what is your biggest LaMarcus Aldridge moment? Oh, I hate to disappoint the audience, but I really don't have one. You didn't do, you didn't win much of anything. I, I will say this, though, in all seriousness. I, I'm always going to remember him as a Portland Trailblazer, and I, I always think that when he left Portland, I think that was a mistake. And I would have liked to see what Portland could have been with with Aldridge, Lillard, and then you had to come up with CJ McCollum. I would have liked to see to see what that could have become. Unfortunately, we didn't get to see it. Dwayne Wade has become a minority owner of the Utah Jazz, as reported by Adrian Wojnarowski on Friday. Is that a big big deal, Drink? I think it is. Um, it's a big deal for. Um... It's, it's kind of like you know how in the NFL you got the Rooney Rule. I don't know what they call it in the NBA. But one of my biggest components about the ruling rule is, yeah, it sounds all good. I got the rule and everything. But the only way you get some change to that rule is you got to have change into the status, meaning you got to have changes in the ownership, GM, head coach, so far, so on. Um, so as I see Dwayne Wade following the footsteps of the likes of uh, Shaq and um, um, it was another player I had, but like uh, Magic, like, I, I, I like it. Why not? If you have the money and you have the opportunity, go get you a piece of that franchise. And I like it because it's an ex-great player, so that player can put some input on what can probably, you know, make the Jazz better, what can make them more profitable, because that's probably the problem with Utah is they're just not 
Yeah, it's popular as the other one, other pro, uh, the other um league uh, teams in the league. So I think it's a good thing. I do think it's a big deal, and I, w- I would like to see more of it. Michael Jordan will present Kobe Bryant in the 2020 Naismith Hall of Fame induction ceremony on May 15th. Classic move by MJ, right? Yeah, I think so, and I think it's uh, I think it's appropriate that uh, Michael Jordan be the one to induct him. I guess if I had a second pick, I would say uh, Shaquille O'Neal, but um, you know. Kobe Bryant spent his whole career chasing Michael Jordan and he uh, came closer than really anybody with respect to how, you know, their position and how they play. Um, So, yeah, I think it's quite appropriate and uh, I look forward to what he has to say. Los Angeles Lakers big man Anthony Davis has been cleared to return to practice and could return within the week. I know that's welcome news to you, Drink. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, So if he comes back, I mean, we probably have another week or two before LeBron come back. Um, and I'm not – I don't want these guys to rush back just because, like, the Lakers are up and down. I think the Lakers handled themselves pretty well without both of them in the stretch. Um, but I, I, I do – I would like for Anthony Davis and LeBron to come back to get some rhythm going before the playoffs start, at least before the play-in games, I guess, um, just so you can get a little lubrication going in them joints before the heat turn up. Um, but, yes, absolutely welcome news. Let's go, AD. Let's get back into the fold. You know what time it is. Syracuse is getting another Bayheim as Jimmy Bayheim is transferring from Cornell to join his brother, Buddy, and the coach, Jim Bayheim. You excited to see the Bayheim trifecta next year? No, no, I'm not. I'm not sick of it. Uh, <laughs> I, I really thought Buddy Bayheim was a senior, too, so he'd be graduating. And now not only do I get another year of him, I get another Bayheim on the court, and I get Jim out there with his two-three zone. I'm just, I'm just so. I thought Jim Bayheim was gonna retire like four years ago. I thought they had some coaching waiting, and it's fast forward, and he's still there. And I'm just, I'm just so sick of it. I'm sick of it. I'm sick of the 11 seeds and the Sweet 16s and all. Oh, anything, anything new would be, would be refreshing. On Thursday, Alabama linebacker Will Anderson was formally awarded the Sean Alexander National Freshman Player of the Year award. Your thoughts? Oh man, it's a great, great, um, great award. Uh, you know, Ale- Will Anderson is only the third Alabama player to win this award. You know, um, and I, I'm, listen, this kid deserved all the accolades he got. This guy was almost probably the second best player on our defense as a true freshman last year. So um, he he should only get better from here. But you know, shots out to him and shots out to him being the the only the third recipient from Alabama for this award. So. Kudos to him. USC freshman center Evan Mobley, Evan Mobley officially declared for the NBA draft today. No surprises there, right? Nope. Uh, in a in a year without Kate Cunningham, he'd like to be the number one pick, and I could maybe make the argument that I'd maybe take him number one overall. But um, you know, he seven foot guy, modern NBA big, can do it all. Great on the defensive end. Uh, his team had a deep run to the Elite Eight, so yeah, no, no, not surprised at all that he's gonna take his talents to the NBA tonight in Atlanta, Georgia at the Mercedes-Benz Stadium on Trilla pay-per-view. It's a 12-round boxing match between former UFC welterweight contender Ben Askin and that YouTube fella star Jake Paul. Drink, are you interested in this? And if so, why? Uh, I guess I am, I am interested. Uh, I, I, I fancy the whole UFC boxing thing. I don't know. It's kind of cool. Um, and, and the reason I'm interested in it, listen, Ben Askin, um, he once was a, a top contender in the welterweight division, and then 
if anybody remember his name, you probably remember the famous five-second knockout that um, Jorge Mazadov smoked him with, with his kneecap. Um, and I think he had one more fight after that. He lost, and he kind of retired. And now this is the first time we've seen him since he retired. And as far as Jake Paul go, listen, we seen what he did the last time he was on the, the Thriller pay-per-view platform. So, you know, boxer, you know, boxer versus um, UFC fighter, MMA fighter. Even though he is a YouTube star, he actually seemed to know what he's doing a little bit in there. So, um, I, I am interested. I think Jake Paul going to win this fight. But, uh, you know, why not see some of this tomfoolery going down on a pay-per-view platform? NFL players from the Steelers, Falcons, and Chargers are the latest to decide not to participate in off-season workouts. Big deal, little deal, or no deal. If it ain't mandatory, it's not a big deal. Just like it ain't a big deal. I didn't go some voluntary work event at my place of business last night. So it ain't no deal at all. Just don't lie to me and tell, tell me you're worried about COVID. When I know you're not, you just don't want to show up and participate. <laughs> last one tonight, on U it's UFC Fight Night, Whitaker and Gastelum on ESPN and ESPN Plus at the UFC Apex in Las Vegas. The main event is a UFC middleweight bout between the number one ranked contender, Robert Whitaker and the number eight ranked contender, Keldon Gastelum. Who you got, Drink? I'm, I'm going to take the Reaper, man. I'm going to take uh, Robert Whitaker. Hey, listen, he's been running rough shot on this middleweight division. The only person he can't seem to, uh, you know, ante up on is, is the champion, Israel Alessandra. I think after this fight, that rematch is going to have to happen. It's, a, it's about that time. Um, but I'm, I'm taking Robert Whitaker, man. He seemed like the truth. Like I said, the only person he done fought in this division that give me any pause is Israel Adesanya, and they fought for the title. That's how he became the champ champ. Um, so with that said, you know, we should he should go out here, handle business with Gasolum, and, and we should be getting a rematch between him and, and the style bender here soon for the, for the title. All right, you heard it here first. That concludes today's Drink of Wisdom. As always, like, listen, share, subscribe. Thanks for joining us. I'm Jay Wise. And I'm Nathan Drinker. And remember, make tomorrow better than today and make today better than yesterday. And you know what we going to do. We going to holler at you until next time, baby.